it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Dripping in sex appeal. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin in here for Mackie and Judd today. And if you've got thoughts on the Daniil Hunter contract extension. And the other thing that we brought up briefly on the Minnesota Vikings was just, is it a weird spot for Vikings fans to be sitting here at the end of June feeling like, yeah, this has to be Super Bowl or bust. And it's a pretty rare feeling for any fan base, really. I mean, considering just how many teams and how windows open and shut all the time. And if you don't have an elite quarterback, if you don't have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, you always feel like, well, maybe. Uh, but this time around, maybe the first time since 2010 where you would be going into a season feeling like you'd belong in the conversation as a Super Bowl contender. And how does that make you feel? Because the last two times, it didn't go well at all after great seasons. So 651-646-8255 if you got a thought on that. So Courtney, I saw a story yesterday that as soon as it popped up on my Twitter timeline, I just felt terrible the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Like it was hard to shake. Um the family of Tyler Helinski, who's a quarterback from Washington State, he was 21 years old and he committed suicide. And when they looked at his brain, they found signs of CTE, which you generally find in either Alzheimer's uh, patients who are older that pass away, um, which makes a lot of sense, older people. Or you find in some of the retired players and things like that who have, like Junior Seau, committed suicide. For it to be there, someone who was only 21 years old. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that because that's that's really disturbing because we always think of it as like, oh, these old retired players or uh, like, oh, former boxers for someone that young. It really makes me think a lot about high school football and youth football. And like, when is this starting for for the NFL? Sorry, for the NFL, I think of like, well, yeah, they do get paid a lot of money and they are aware of all this mm-hmm. like they they know what's happening here and they've signed up for it so it's kind of their choice now but for someone who's 21 years old and was an amateur player and that young to have this it really makes me wonder what the future is for football not with the NFL but from youth peewee to high school to college yeah and just to clarify with the um 
chronic traumatic encephalopathy is repeated blows to the head. It's not all Alzheimer's patients. I mean, mostly that's kind of the chicken and the egg thing. A lot of people who have CTE, CTE develop Alzheimer's. It's not mm-hmm. Alzheimer's patients have CTE. It's not the other way around. So that just the thing that struck me the most was that his father, when he told the today, when he told today that um, he had the brain of it, found out that his son, after the autopsy and he, you know, doing the whole thing at the Mayo Clinic, that his son had the brain of a sixty-five-year-old when he's twenty-one. That is a gut punch, and he's a quarterback. He's mm-hmm. not somebody who's constantly, you know, leading with the head, leading with the shoulders. I mean, look at Ken Stabler's the one who he was a quarterback. He's the one who kind of sparked this whole thing ahead of the Super Bowl in 2016. Um, just by when that all came out, and we're really seeing this thing, for lack of a better term, come to a head now. When a 21 year old is falls victim to this and. Who knows? I mean, where where did this start? When did these repeated blows to the head become so bad that it was starting to give him CTE? They found that he had grade one, which, you know, who I, I don't know the, the levels or the scale for it, but it's obviously going to get worse. And for him to take his own life, and we're in a society anyways that we don't talk about mental health and we don't talk about the wellness there. Um, and I think particularly in athletics, there's a there's kind of a black cloud with that right now. This story to me brings awareness and might be sparking something where this this discussion is not in college football yet. It's certainly in the NFL because we're talking about, you know, the Aaron Hernandez's, the Junior Seau's, the guys who have committed suicide and they find it that way. And when I was out in the Bay Area, it was the big story about the three former Raiders players, uh, including George Atkinson, who was the one who used to get in trouble for the hook uh, when, when he would tackle players. There's there's, there's a need for this conversation to happen, not just for older players who have dedicated their brains uh, for when they die, because you can only diagnose CTE upon death. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not been found in any person who's living currently that tau protein has, but not CTE itself. Um, it's a situation where this conversation is becoming all levels of football, where where the younger levels, including college, are not immune to it. And and I wonder if this is a story that sparks some significant change, but also how this will, like, what the reaction will be to for parents who have let their kids play from an extremely young age, because I I was reading a study on this Everson Griffin last year said he was asked if he was going to let his kids Mm -hmm. play football because he had a son during the season. And he said, not until they're of a certain age, not until high school. school. Right. Right. And so I went and looked it up and that all the data suggests and the science suggests that it's the, that's the right way to go. That as your brain is still forming as a, as a very young person, it's really bad to have repeated collisions. And if you're going to decrease your chances of developing CT and things like that later on, that starting at the high school level is probably the best way to go. Will we see people actually react to that or respond to that with someone who was so young who already had it? And I, I would guess that Tyler Hilinski had been playing football since he was a really little kid. I mean, there are other ways to do this without completely taking away football. I mean, having kids participate in flag football until a certain age where you can start tackling. I know I know in hockey that they've made changes to younger levels where you can't check until a certain age. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you think that kids need to learn the tackling 
technique at age four or something. Like, uh, I think they'll be able to catch up at age 14 instead, where you could start teaching them the game. And there are a lot of players in the NFL who didn't start really playing football until they were in high school and they were just fine, that that they were able to catch up. That might end up being the short term. And with the long term, you just wonder, like, are we becoming a little numb to these stories where they come out? You also wonder about, you know, behavioral issues with NFL players and things like that. How many were impacted by this that that could have been within them already? Like, even when they're in the NFL, I mean, we sort of make a joke out of it, like guys getting arrested and things like that. But you have to wonder about some of the behavior that has gone on with football players. And Aaron Hernandez brings this up. Were guys struggling with something like this and and didn't even know it and in controlling their own behavior? And I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that. Like, as, as someone, you and I both, make a career out of covering the game and enjoy consuming the game and, and studying it and covering it, I, I end up now feeling conflicted all the time about where we stand with this game. As the age goes up for players where they're starting to play football, he's, you know, defensive players specifically where you're learning to tackle a little bit later, they're realizing there's fundamentals and you, if you teach it the wrong way once, it's hard to break a bad habit. Um, as that age is going up, the age of quarterbacks starting to play is going down. I mean, it's only getting younger and younger as these guys are getting with these quarterback gurus and they're having private coaches and they're starting the game at such a younger age. You can't really, if you want to play Division One football, you can't start playing quarterback in the ninth grade. It just does not happen. These guys are, you know, in their seven-on-seven teams as sixth graders going out and learning how to play the sport. So I, I just don't think that that aspect... We're going to be getting any younger there, but it's an important argument that we need to not accept this as a thing that is the norm and and become desensitized to the fact that this is happening because it's only going to get worse if you continue it on that way. The fact that his parents have been so forthcoming and so brave Mm -hmm. months after this happened where... You know, they they now in retrospect are looking back at the signs and, you know, they went on a family vacation and he started to kind of detach a little bit and he wasn't returning text messages. And all of these things, I think, are so important because they're putting the signs out there. So if somebody else is in this situation, they're going to be able to hopefully intervene before something as tragic as this happens. But What's the NFL's responsibility in this is my question because they do I mean, they've put a lot of resources into this. I can't stand the people, these Twitter doctors out there that are constantly knocking the NFL saying they're not doing enough May, or that they're being negligent and all that. Maybe they're not doing enough, but at least they're trying and there's a lot of initiatives now and there's programs for former players. But what can we do and what can they do before it gets to that point where people are struggling? I think that the best thing they could probably do is push young people, push youth leagues toward flag football and away from tackling at such a young age. And that might mm-hmm. be the only way they could do it. I mean, because the NFL obviously doesn't want kids to stop playing football. They're they're pushing it all the time, like football is family and all those sorts of things. So they can't be saying, like, stop playing football. But maybe they can admit, yeah, before age, like, 12 – you probably shouldn't be mashing your head up against someone else's head. Maybe we shouldn't 
push programs that are padded football and tackle football until you start to get to the high school level. And there are probably some areas of the country where that's just never going to fly. But if it comes from the very top, from the NFL, I think that they do have a responsibility as the highest level of the game to push out what the best possible option is. I would be interested if if anybody out there listening has kids of that age that want to play football. or I know that Brian Murphy's kid plays in a flag football league. Which is great. So, I mean, making that decision and how do you make that decision? So if you want to chime in, 651-646-8255. Because I think as a parent, that's probably tough. Especially if you as a kid played football and you had a positive experience from it. And I think anytime you can have your kids in sports, that's great. Uh, But at the same time, at a certain age, I think it's pretty clearly doing damage. And the fact that you bring up Everson, I know, I remember you were kind of a, you know, you were a big table thumper when when he made that comment I think you were the only one who really grasped what he was saying this is somebody who was in his prime in the middle of a career year saying I'm gonna wait till my kids get older to play I mean I think we need to listen to what people are saying currently and mm-hmm. to what the current athletes who go through this week in and week out days where they can't feel their body I mean when you really peel back the curtain and talk to guys one-on-one and find out how difficult this is um and the headaches that you deal with and, and just all the physical symptoms of playing the game, that's where the real conversation starts. Getting people to be very forthcoming and honest about that is is not always easy. But to me, that's where we need to take this conversation to find out what it's really like for guys currently in this landscape. Um, it, it's it's sad. It really is. And I just, I feel like there's the need, you know, wanting to make the game a little bit more level right now for the younger generation. Guys are starting early because people people want to play at the college level and they want to take this to as far as they can. If if there were regulations put in place about when you can start tackling mm-hmm. and, and all that, that were that were kind of a, a league wide thing from Pop Warner to, you know, to high school football, that would be smart. I think we need to regulate the game a little bit better at the youth level. I think the other thing is that when most people don't make the NFL, and that doesn't seem like uh, a controversial statement, but I like the numbers and your chances of your kid making the NFL are zero. They do not make the NFL. It doesn't happen. I mean, it's it's literally like 0.5% chance that when your kid starts playing football as, as a high schooler that he's actually going to make the NFL. So the, the thing that I, I think they should push to is if your kid is having concussions, you need to have them stop playing football. Like, just end it. Like, your career playing football is over. Go play tennis or whatever it might be, a non-contact sport, golf, or just nothing. Because mm-hmm. your kid, like, Tyler Helinski was not making the NFL. And if they had understood that he went through a couple concussions and took him out of football entirely, which also you have to be able to diagnose those concussions, and that's where it gets tricky. But that happened to you playing soccer. Yeah. You had three in a year and a half, and my mom made me quit soccer because I was a goalie. wasn't very good. I wasn't going to be playing Division One anywhere. I wasn't even trying to play Division Two or Three. But you know, that's one thing I can thank my parents for because that's you know you don't think of. I mean, soccer is very much a contact sport, but mm-hmm. you know, as a goalie, you're not seeing all that much action as much as somebody who you know you could you know sliding and all of the other stuff that happens with soccer, but. What would have happened if had I had one more? Mm-hmm. And what would have happened had she not taken me to the doctor the day that I had one of my worst ones, which is when I had some girl come up to the 18 um, and take her forearm and go up to my, and like basically club my, the side of my head. Oh. Um, that was one of my worst ones I had. And I had a goalpost. 
like, too. I mean, it's a violent sport. I thank my parents every single day for pulling me out of that because the long-term effects, I may may have been 16 when that happened, but the long-term effects, you just don't know. And it's such a hard thing to, to do when you're telling a kid they can't play a sport or trying to limit or curtail when we're saying, hey, get involved with sports, do this, do that. Uh, to, to, you know, for just total life fulfillment, you got to be smarter about it because what's the risk down the road? What's the risk? Let's go to Derek here on with Matt and Courtney. What's up, Derek? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing good. good. How are you? Well, you know, this really struck home with me big time. Um, my son just turned 12 a couple weeks ago, actually. Um, I'll preface it by saying I played college football at University of Arizona. I live in Phoenix now. And, and I had four concussions that I know of as you know that were actually diagnosed and um my son's been playing football flag since he was four started tackle when he was seven okay and i and i only did that because it was just something to be more challenging than a receiver mm-hmm. well november and by the way he was also playing two sports which i'm a huge advocate of playing all sports so he's been playing baseball and football is basically his entire life and i always told him if he got a concussion you're going to take 18 months off and that was just like a number i had in my mind where i was making stop well, in late, late 2016, they played in a championship game, and he tried to do some hero call, and he took a bubble screen, and he tried to cut up field and did something different, and he just got whacked in the back of his head hit. Well, as soon as he got up, he started walking towards the other huddle, and I knew it was over. Uh-huh. And um, it was right before the half, and I went down, and his uh, coach was actually one of my really good friends. And I told him, I said, hey, give me Cohen's helmet. And he goes, why? And I go, I just think something's off. Well, sure enough, my son wasn't happy with me at the game. Took him right to the ER after the game. He had a really, like, a mild concussion. So I said, it's done. He literally fell in love with baseball in 2017, and I thank God for it every day because mm-hmm. I don't want him to play football. I really don't. I have some problems with it still um, from the things I did. I love the sports best, but, I mean, he got me a college scholarship. But he just loves baseball, and I'm so glad that he's fallen in love with it. And he's gotten really good at it. He plays travel ball, and he's happy. But kids play football so much nowadays and in the genius kids can play year round here football that's three seasons of hits on your head and it's a bad epidemic you can hear my daughter in the back i mean it's just it's, it's just crazy and you know and he doesn't miss it at all like he'll go outside and play touch football with his friends and mm. you know they'll call him a wussy or whatever and he's like dude i don't need to play and he, he's got another sport he likes and they make fun of him because they think baseball is weak and he's like well cool come in and hit a 65 mile an hour fastball so you can do it <laughs> He's just got something else he loves, and parents cannot let kids play football that much. I mean, especially at this young, I wish I would have never done it, but I'm glad I didn't learn my lesson too late. So thanks for taking my call, guys. Yeah, thanks a Thank lot, Thank you. That was call. an awesome call. Appreciate it. Well, that- that's good parenting. I'm sorry. I My da- my grandfather never let my father play football. My father let, never let my brother play football, and I think they're both better for it, to be honest. Well, I appreciate the call, Derek. We'll take a quick break, uh, continue this conversation. Plus, somebody brought something interesting up about potential Wolves regret on Twitter that uh, I want to get to. And we'll also talk to Jason Wilde uh, about the Packers, Dan Hayes from The Athletic about the Twins, Matt and Courtney in for Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Gentlemen, the moment has finally arrived. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Matthew Collar back here on 1500 ESPN. Courtney Cronin has to jet because she's got to go out to a TCO Performance Center for a press conference with Daniil Hunter, but she is going to check back in with us in an hour to tell us what the Vikings and Daniil Hunter are saying about his 
five-year deal worth $14 million per year. Uh, but we were having a, a discussion about the future of how we look at football with the, the news that Tyler Helinski, who committed suicide, 21-year-old quarterback at Washington State, and uh, there, there was CTE found in his brain, which is the degenerative disease that has often been caused in uh, boxing and, and football by concussions. And it's a topic that kind of floats to the surface and then goes back down. You know, something happens, someone dies or whatever, and they look at their brain and they find it. And then we talk about it for a little while and disappears. But that's often been the case with older players or guys who played, you know, maybe in the 90s or something like that. And then there was the Aaron Hernandez situation where it was in his brain and he was not even 30. But then this this shook me a little bit more because it's not a guy who played in the NFL. It's a guy who was just a Division One player, and it makes me wonder if this will spark some change. And I don't look at necessarily the NFL level. I think the NFL is going to be around no matter what. And I also think at this point, the guys who play in the NFL are aware of this, and they understand the decision they're making to play and what the long-term impacts might be. Uh, but at the youth level... I think when you look at a kid so young as Tyler Helinski was, you have to start thinking about how we approach that. And maybe uh, the idea is uh, the right idea is something that Everson Griffin brought up last year, which was not letting your kids play until high school. So we got a great call on that last segment. Uh, we'll go to Ryan here on 1500 ESPN. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Colin. How's it going? Doing good. Good. I just wanted to give a quick anecdote actually about my college roommate who played from third to ninth grade. And even though he played for such a more short amount of time, he played running back. And now in this state, he has migraines from football about once a week that are pretty severe. So, you know, it just goes to show that youth football can do that to you, too. I'll hang up now. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate that. And, and, and yeah, and that's the thing that I think is concerning and maybe brings this uh, to light a little bit with what happened with Tyler Holinsky is – that there are a lot of people out there who played at a young age who did not make the NFL and did not make millions of dollars off of this who are impacted by the injuries for their entire life. And if you're talking about high school, uh, if you start in high school, the numbers are that there is a lot less, the, the science on it, for, there's a New York Times article a few years back, um, there's a lot less likelihood that you're going to develop long-term issues if you start in high school. You're always going to have a risk. But if you just began playing at age 14, the numbers were, and the science was, that there would be less of an impact there. And that's why Everson said that. Clearly, he had researched the matter, and that's why he was going to wait with his kids. And I, I think about if you're a 9-year-old or a 10-year-old, and you have concussions, and they're not diagnosed because you don't have professional doctors on the sideline. You don't have spotters watching everything. I mean, I imagine if you are a – I think about what my dad used to have to deal with with our Little League team. Um, we were pretty well-behaved, but you got a bunch of 10-year-olds running around, right? I mean, it's got to be hard to keep track as a youth coach uh, just of all these kids and, and everything's happening with them. And I wonder if the way to go is for the NFL from the top down to push flag football at a young age – 
And then eventually, you know, in, at the high school age where kids can start getting into tackling and contact, uh, hockey is, is going that way a lot itself. So I, I appreciate the, the great thoughts there. We've got uh, Jason Wildey talk a little Green Bay Packers offseason based on something Tony Romo said. I want to find out if Jason Wildey agrees with that. Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd here on 1500 ESPN. I really think that for Green Bay, it's like if their secondary is a little bit better, I, I think that they, they're the team to beat this year going into the football season. That'd be cool, man. I'd like to, to see that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic Judd, which uh, that soundbite was said to this man who talked about bringing his kids to the Twin Cities, and Judd was very, very excited. It's uh, Jason Wildey and his dog from ESPN Wisconsin, <laughs> Wisconsin State Journal. Uh, what kind of dog do you have, Jason? She is a golden doodle. She oh. loves Judd, and uh, she's she's disappointed that he's not on the show today. I, on the other hand, am perfectly fine with Judd not being on the show today. Uh, golden doodle's a great dog. I have a greyhound, so um, you know that's the two elite dogs there. I say. So um, well, I, only one of them is interrupting your radio show, though. Uh, yeah, actually, the the greyhound doesn't. Uh, she doesn't bark. It's kind of weird. Like she just, really? she will. Yep. She doesn't bark. Even when people come to the house, she'll sort of wake up and look at them and maybe sniff them, but not a barker. Nope. It's just a greyhound thing. Right I guess now I was trying to drink out of my daughter's uh, juice box, which <laughs> if she could figure out how to use a straw, she's a genius. And then she will be on, she'll be on like stupid pet tricks and everything. So. <laughs> Uh, you can pull it off. Potentially your ticket to the top, uh, but for now you just cover the Packers. So um, Tony <laughs> and Romo make occasional and to make occasional appearances on your podcast. Yes, exactly. Whenever you just walk by and we say, "Hey, get over here," you're in the Packers press box. Box. So you're on our podcast. That that happened last year. Um, so th- they got Tony Romo talking about the Packers, saying they're the team to beat. Now it turns out that that was at some sort of football camp. And it's a little bit different when it's a football camp than is if he was giving actual football analysis. But um, I think here in the Twin Cities, people are kind of looking at the Packers as still being a beatable team because they don't have enough around Aaron Rodgers. How do you feel about what Tony Romo said about them being the team to beat? Well, I just got done with our guys in Milwaukee on our ESPN Milwaukee affiliate, and I said... I think the Vikings might take issue with uh, Tony Romo saying this. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just re-signed uh, Daniel Hunter to an extension, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. You look you look at the list of uh, players that they have under contract for the next three years. Uh, they just added Kirk Cousins, who, um, you know, he sounds like he might be an okay quarterback. Um, I, I just, I think this is all about Aaron Rodgers, and it's about whether or not the Packers' defense has improved. Because if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, I have a hard time picking anybody to be a team to beat instead of them. Um, um, When I look at them adding Jimmy Graham, I think that's obviously significant. I think Mercedes Lewis is going to give them some interesting options in two tight end sets. But I personally don't understand at wide receiver what they're going to do if Devontae Adams, who had two wicked concussions last year and who was limited by a significant ankle injury in 15 when they didn't have Jordy Nelson because he blew out his ACL. Mm -hmm. Or if something happens to Cobb who had, you know, 
injuries that plagued him both in 15 and 16. And then last year, he's finally healthy, but Aaron Rodgers is not. So, you know, he did not have a, he had another non-productive season. Those are the top of their wide receiver depth chart. And I think people are looking at the Packers wide receivers and saying, well, Jimmy Graham's really a wide receiver. Okay, even if I allow you that, after Cobb and Adams, they have a combined 47 career receptions in the NFL. (laughs) Geronimo Allison has 35 of them. They drafted three wide receivers in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds. And the Packers' history, whether you're Greg Jennings or Randall Cobb or Devontae Adams or Jordy Nelson uh, or James Jones, all those guys were third-round picks or higher, and none of them had significant impacts as rookies. None of them. And now you're talking about fourth, fifth, and sixth-round picks that are going to come in. And if there's an injury, one of them is going to have to take a significant role. I just I don't see it. And I think that there's a little bit of a danger there. You know, they cut ties with Jordy Nelson, but they were also interested in Allen Robinson. They were also interested in Sammy Watkins. They were also interested in uh, Jordan Matthews. So they're, they obviously knew that they didn't have much proven wide receiver depth once they cut ties with Jordy Nelson, but then they didn't get any of those guys. So if, they're, if, if the assumption continues to be that Aaron Rodgers just makes everybody that much better, so that's fine, but I think he probably needed some help. And they're helping him on defense, but I don't think that they have. I think if you're a Vikings fan and you're saying, what did they do to help Aaron Rodgers on offense? I think you have a valid point. Talking with uh, Green Bay Packers reporter and Golden Doodle owner Jason Wilde, um, <laughs> where where do we stand on Aaron Rodgers v. the Packers? I mean, it just seems like this has been a rocky relationship. And it, to start this offseason, especially with the cutting of, of Jordy Nelson, and it didn't sound like they even offered Nelson a pay cut to stay. It was just like, bye, see ya. Uh, also, his quarterback coach, um, my old friend from Buffalo, Alex Van Pelt, uh, being there. I mean, what what is the relationship with the Packers? It seemed like he was unhappy about the quarterback's coach going. He was unhappy about Nelson going. And he's he's never shy about mentioning these things. No, he's definitely not. And those are both things that he was unhappy about. Um, you know, they, they gave Nelson what uh, one player called an insulting uh pay cut offer another one called it disrespectful <laughs> um so they might as well have not offered one him one at all yeah rogers was hot about that uh there's no question about it uh, at the same time you know i think people oh did we lose jason his uh his magnificent dog jumped up tried to take the phone tried to jump in there with a packers take um with the the Jordy Nelson exit, it is it is kind of interesting that you would have thought there would have been some sort of other plan for them to have uh, you know another receiver come in that maybe they expected to have some other receiver that they thought was right there that was going to replace Jordy Nelson, and then they were unable to find that. But I do kind of stand in the camp that he can make people better. And what we've seen here in Minnesota is sometimes you do hit on those later round wide receivers. They also have the good running backs too. 
and an offensive line that's, that's pretty solid. Sorry, Jason. Uh, what did your did your dog jump up and try to give a, a hot take on? Uh, no, I'm gonna. Bl- I'll, bl- I'll blame Rogers. my. I think. I think I'll blame my wife for trying to call when I'm talking to you. I think oh. I was talking to you guys. I think she <laughs> thought it was Judd, so she figured she could interrupt him whenever <laughs> she tra- wants. She's trying to help. She's just trying to be a good spouse. Yeah. So between the dog barking and losing your call, this has been. You're so glad you asked me to come on. Um, here's the thing. So when Matt Ryan signed his extension, I think. A lot of people thought Rogers' deal would be done about a week later, right? Because mm-hmm. that was the holdup. There was that story where he ran into uh, the GM of the Falcons in an airport and said, hey, can you get this done so I can move on with my life? Well, <laughs> here we are. It yeah. is almost July, and there's nothing done. Now, I've had a couple people say that he wants to have a, a player option in his contract. I know that's been reported elsewhere as well. So those things are, are factors. Um, at the same time, I don't know if he's going to get to you know September fifth or sixth, right before the regular season opener, and have one hundred and twenty-five million dollars guaranteed sitting in front of him, or whatever that number ends up being. And he's going to say, "No, no, I'm not sure I want to commit to that." Hmm. Um, that's a lot of money when you're going into games where you can actually be tackled and you're going to be in the game all the time uh, to risk. So. My my gut tells me that he'll still get this deal done before the season starts, but I just I, I have more doubt about it than I ever have. And if he's willing to say, you know what, I've got enough money, um, I want to have this player option, and if the Packers don't give it to me, I just won't sign an extension. And you know, who knows? Maybe next year I'll withhold my services going into the last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but. It, it is certainly something that the Packers have talked about like it was going to be a foregone conclusion. And at this point, it's not. I think at one point, Phil Mackey here got to, uh, he got so far down the road on this story that he was trading Aaron Rodgers for Kirk Cousins uh, by next year. So um, we'll try not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Let me ask you about the defense because they drafted two cornerbacks that I think they should be excited about. Two guys that I had looked at as potentials for the Vikings and Josh Jackson, I thought was going to go much earlier and he ends up kind of looking like a steal. And and that's been the, the big issue there with the secondary. They let Micah Hyde go and then he has a great season uh, when he was gone. So is the defense fixed to the point where it could at least give Rogers some support instead of being a suck hole? Yeah, my uh, my co-host, who is uh, a lot like Judd, except he's got 11 years of NFL experience, um, Mark Tauscher was giving me a lot of grief for saying that Mike Patton, the new defensive coordinator, was their biggest off-season acquisition. But I think if he makes their defense far better than it has been the last several years, I mean, their defense hasn't been good with the exception of a second half of the 2014 season, their defense has not been good enough since probably 2010, frankly. And so if he is able to make those changes, then he will be a huge upgrade over Dom Capers, who fans were very frustrated with in his last several years. But if those corners can really make a difference, and if they, you know, if Jair Alexander can come in and play right away, if, um, Kevin King, who was their top pick last year, uh, has a healthy shoulder, which he didn't all of last season and ended up having surgery to end his season. If he plays at a, at a good level and 
if Tremont Williams still has something left in the tank, I'm sure Vikings fans remember him from his first tour of duty with the Packers, mm-hmm. then they're, they're definitely going to be improved there. They haven't taken the ball away the way they have in recent years in the secondary, so that's an area they need to do better in. But, you know, this is a team that basically wrote off a first-round pick in trading away Demarius Randall to Cleveland. And so they clearly felt like they needed new players there. They needed a new coordinator. And if that's if they are significantly improved defensively, that is probably the best thing they will have done along with getting Jimmy Graham for Aaron Rodgers. Well, you know, if uh, Pat Shermer can bounce back from his time as a head coach in Cleveland, I, I think that Pettin can too. Pettin was a- actually at the head of turning around the Buffalo Bills defense when he was yep. there, and, and I was covering that team, and I, I remember being on sports radio there, and you know, we, we kind of like did a tribute to Pettin when he left because the defenses were so good under him, and uh, I don't think he's a, a household name, so people don't really know his reputation, but I think he's a very good defensive coordinator who got a really tough break in Cleveland, as most people do. So I need, before I let and you go, Jake. seven and 7-4 in his first 11 games in Cleveland. Yeah. He finished 10-22 and 22 in his two years there. Um, I'm pretty sure Hugh Jackson would take 10 and 22. <laughs> well, then uh, he wouldn't have jumped in Lake Erie, so um, that, that, would, that would have saved him that. Before I let you go, Jason, I need some uh, reporter advice here because um, this will be the first time that in my career I am covering an offseason training camp going into the year where the team can legitimately say, yeah, we should probably be in the Super Bowl. I think last year, even with the Vikings, it was like, I don't know, we're still not really there yet. And then they achieved more than they thought they were going to. This year, with the Cousins and re-signing the guys and adding Sheldon Richardson, like you've you've been in this situation with Aaron Rodgers a bunch of times where you go in and it's like, well, if you don't win the Super Bowl, that's disappointing. What do I do? What do I do with my hands? You... uh... (laughs) You definitely hold them accountable for that expectation, and that is, you know, they were, they were there, man. I mean, I think Packers fans certainly thought, oh man, here we go. The Vikings are finally gonna get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl, and and Packers fans were all worried that, oh man, finally all my Vikings fan friends are gonna be able to stick it to me um, after that '09. NFC Championship game played out the way that did, and Packers fans obviously enjoyed the fact that Vikings fans got to experience some of the Brett Favre downs that come with having him as your quarterback. Um, I think the biggest thing, if you're covering the team, though, is be ready for things not to go as planned. Like, the Packers were coming off in 2009. They really finished that year strong. They lost that... uh, barn burner of a playoff game in Arizona in overtime. And they had the look of a Super Bowl team going into 2010, kind of like the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And then they had all these injuries. They were inconsistent. Um, they lost a couple of back-to-back overtime games. And they did not look like a Super Bowl team for much of the season. But then they won their last two to get into the playoffs as a sixth seed and they were the team nobody wanted a piece of, and they went on their Super Bowl run. So my biggest advice is even if it's a team with Super Bowl expectations, there will be – I mean, I even think back to 96, which was my first season covering the Packers, when I was a young person like yourself. Um, they went in as the Super Bowl favorite, and then they had 
back-to-back losses, and we were in St. Louis, and they were down at halftime. And I remember turning to some of my writer colleagues and saying, wait, these guys are supposed to be a Super Bowl team, and they're down at the half to St. Louis. They're, these guys, are, they're, they're frauds. And then it's always interesting to see what play turns around a team. And in that 96, on that 96 team, um, they got an interception return for a touchdown in St. Louis that night from Doug Evans. And it basically turned around their entire season. And then they, from then on, they looked like the Super Bowl team that uh, they were supposed to be. And obviously they ran through and, and delivered that year. So be ready for the ups and downs. Even though you're a Super Bowl contender or covering a Super Bowl contender, there's no guarantee that they're going to play like that team throughout the year. Well, it's definitely going to be new ground. And if you look at the Vikings schedule, yeah, I think ups and downs are pretty much guaranteed when they have Rodgers twice and Drew Brees and they'll face the Eagles and they've got the Rams and they've got Tom Brady in there. So I think there's going to be uh, there's going to be a number of those things. Well, Jason, uh, it was great to catch up with you. I hope that you randomly end up on our podcast again soon at some point throughout the season. I won't bring my dog. <laughs> you can bring the kids, though. I mean, they could just give takes. <laughs> Their takes would be hotter than mine. For sure. <laughs> All right, Jason, appreciate it very much. Of course, buddy. Take care. Be good. Jason Wildey there, uh, ESPN Wisconsin, also writes for the Wisconsin State Journal. We'll take a quick break, a little reaction to that, and then we've got some Twins talk coming up at noon. Courtney is going to check in at about 12.30 from TCO Performance Center. The Vikings giving an extension to Daniil Hunter, five-year deal, about $14 million per year. Matthew Collar in for Mackey and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You go low, I'll go high. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Get your Independence Day off to a running start with the red, white, and boom, TC Half Marathon Relay and 5K. It's coming up pretty soon, July 4th. Come out to Boom Island Park for this Twin Cities summer tradition. Get your run and first picnic of the holiday under your belt. If you're at the lake out of town, not a problem. You can run the virtual Red, White, and Boom, wherever you are at. For more details and to register, visit 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. All right, Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. In a couple of minutes, we will talk with Dan Hayes about the Minnesota Twins and the reverse it's happening. So it's not happening. And what that means over the next couple of weeks, if trade talks are going to start ramping up, Brian Dozier, a home run last night. Maybe he could get hot and up that trade value as we uh, go down the stretch. Um, we started the show with birthday bros, and it turns out our intern, Zach, Zach, right? Max. Max. But Zach is good enough. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. We, should, we should mention birthday like bros the, because um, it's Matthew Cowell's birthday. Sorry, today. Max. I, I swear it was Zach. I was even. I even had a Zach question. I was going to ask if it was a K or a C. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, uh, but you have a Max. You have a good birthday, bro. Actually, now that I'm looking, at it, I have a couple NHL superstars: uh, Alexander Ovechkin, okay, recent uh, Stanley Cup, and then I just found Austin Matthews. Oh, that's not bad. That's not yeah. bad. Uh, how about historical figures? Do you have yours for historical uh, figures? Uh, Hank Williams Senior. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. sure. A little old country. So I think those three. When I mean, when country was country. Yes. Jimmy Johnson. Men were men. Not bro country. When we could talk about the women leaving and the dogs no. dying <laughs> and the trucks breaking down. And yeah. Whiskey. It was I, about good stories. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so. That's a good one. That's decent. Um, Jimmy Johnson, race car driver, also, eh, also. I'd rather have Jimmy right, Johnson. Let's, let's the not stretch, yeah. Max that's Zach. A, that's about as 
That's about as good as it gets. Uh, Dave, you had Spud Webb. Who else did you have? I had Harrison Ford. I had Yachty oh, Molino. Right. Uh, Harrison Yachty Ford is a great one. Uh, Cody Bellinger's, uh, I think. Yeah. Patrick Stewart. Cody Bellinger's got to do something before he gets named here. Yeah. A couple, I mean, rookie of the year, okay, fine. But. Um, I mean, number one, easily. Oh, by the way, I have Cheech Marin, too. That's not too bad. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Julius Caesar. 100 okay, BC. that's still being researched. No, it's, it's true. Available. It's right. I've seen it on multiple places right now. Right now, I'm looking at famousbirthdays.com, and that's where you go for famous birthdays. Julius Caesar, born 100, died in We have ad space BC. available, famous birthdays, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, just accept that I have the coolest birthday bro in the room today, and um, you just have to deal with that. Spud Webb, yeah. I, I would give you Spud Webb, although I still like that I have Mr. Marlin for today. Today's my birthday. That's why we brought that up. Um Helen Keller was like even better than you think. You know her for being blind and deaf, but she was like an activist and she did a lot of stuff. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plug Door Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB JJ McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players, that is, until they don't. When it comes to finger pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.